You know, one of the best things through 329 produced episodes of Unscripted is that I've got a great boss and he allows me to talk about whatever I want to talk about on my mind from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. And even though there isn't much depth in my mind, if you talk to certain people around North America, there is something that really is bothering me and this is the perfect forum to get it out. As I welcome you to episode number 330 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we welcome you to the program and there's a bunch of things to talk about. We've got some breaking news to talk about, but I've got to get something off my chest, as I just mentioned, and this is the best place for me to do that. Last week, late last week, I don't know the exact date, doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the result of this decision. As you all know, last April of 2018, there was a horrific bus crash on Interstate 35, I believe is the number right outside, pretty close to Chris's hometown in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. It wasn't in the city, but this was the infamous highway that has seen crashes in the past. This was the Humboldt Broncos. You remember, Canadians will remember uh, Drake on the sidelines at a Toronto Raptors game with a, with a Humboldt jersey on and all this other stuff. And 16 people were injured, but 13 people died on this in this horrific bus crash and was all caused by a truck driver from the city of Calgary that wasn't paying attention, blew right through a flashing red stoplight and took out the Humboldt bus. And we lost not only hockey players, but we lost fathers, we lost brothers, we lost sons. And um, there are some of us out there, including me, that still a little bit of us haven't gotten over yet. And this is kind of why. Chris was nice enough to allow me to open up and start on this and... uh, I have to say that the judge's decision in the city of Calgary or wherever, excuse me, in a Saskatchewan courtroom last week about the guy from Calgary, this guy takes out 13 people, 16 injured, 29 in total were affected by this. And we've all been affected by this. And this guy now, in fairness, I'm trying to be fair. This guy admitted guilt, pled guilty to all 29 counts of vehicular manslaughter. He he did everything that he was supposed to do. Showed remorse. I get that. There was no drugs and alcohol, which I'm very appreciative of, that were not involved or not found in the driver's system. But you take out 13 people and injure 16 others, and you get eight years? That's ridiculous. There's a guy, I don't remember, I remember, I don't know what his thing was, but I remember him being in British Columbia and he, his wife turns up dead and he blamed that he was insane or something. I don't know all the parameters. I don't, I don't, I don't claim to, but this guy, I do know claimed insanity got year and a half. If it was that easy, a lot of married guys would do that. You take out 13 people and get eight years. I want to know what the judge was thinking. I know that this guy, again, did all the right things, said all the right things. I appreciate that. He was remorseful. I appreciate that. But he took out 13 people and injured 16 others, and he got eight years. Relative to this, I got to just, this this just really, I think, puts a real funny, not a funny, it's not the right word, but I don't have another word. It has another interesting spin to this little story. 
the guy who stabbed two-time Wimbledon tennis champion Petra Vitova. And if I'm saying that wrong, who the hell cares? But some lunatic goes into her Prague home, stabs her, and he got sentenced on Tuesday. He got eight years for stabbing a two-time Wimbledon champ. This clown truck driver in from Calgary got eight years for killing 13 people and, and injuring 16 others. And here's the, here's the fun part. For taxpayers here in the great country of Canada, especially in the province of Alberta, he'll probably be in Saskatchewan. He'll be in the Saskatchewan pen. But after, but after his eight years, this homeboy gets uh, extradited, or whatever the word is, deported. He, deported back to his home country. So we give him three squares a day for the next eight years, and then he gets deported back to his home country. Do us a favor, deport his ass now. I don't want to pay for his three squares a deal, square, three meals squared, whatever the hell it is. I'm sorry, I'm pissed off. This guy has done immeasurable damage. And to get off with eight years, that I think is a slap at the is a slap in the face of the families that have lost significant amounts of everything from this crash. They've lost a son, they've lost whatever, they've lost some hope maybe, and especially in the system. And I felt really bad. CTV Saskatchewan was out there and they were taking some of the people that were in the courtroom that obviously had some real interest in the handing down of this. And what are they supposed to say? Well, you know, he got something at least. They were very, these people in Saskatchewan are very nice. They're too nice. They're really too nice. They should be pissed off is what they should be because there was an injustice done with this sentencing. I feel at the very least, I really believe this in my heart of hearts, that this man should have done 20 years at least. Um... To do eight um, doesn't sit well with me. Um, I know that there are a lot of people in Saskatchewan and around the world that probably feel the same way that I do, but A, they don't have a podcast, or B, they can't do anything to change it, so they just bite their tongue and uh, continue on. But this is wrong, folks. This driver, Singh was his last name. I can't pronounce his first two names. Don't give a flying fuck. What I'm pissed off about is that this Mr. Singh because of his incompetence, his negligence, his stupidity, and any other word that multiple-syllable word. Chris is a lot better at the multiple-syllable words than I am. But this guy, basically, for what he did, got a get-out-of-jail card free, in my opinion. Yeah, he actually killed 16 and injured 13. It's even worse than you said. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm very pissed off and emotional about this. I don't cry on the radio. Never did. Even when Ron Barr was an asshole, I never cried. I cried when this news came out last year because people died for no reason, because of an incompetence of an asshole. And I'm sorry, I mean no disrespect. 16, 13, 16 passed, 13 were injured. I know the numbers. I screwed up. I'm sorry about that. But I am very, very pissed off about this. This young man, 29 years old, the truck driver from Calgary, I believe for what he did, should have done 20 years. Well, I will stand up a little bit for the judge, if nothing else, because if you look at precedent in Saskatchewan for this type of a situation, what sentencing would normally be is somewhere between 14 months and four years. 
That's what it would normally be. So then what happened to the prosecutor came out and asked for 10 years and the whole legal community was blown away. Really? Like, like he, they, it, they acted like he asked for 50. Like, I mean, they were like 10 years. That's crazy for what this guy did. And they, everyone agrees the result was horrific. But the thing is with his intent, I'm sort of disappointed that we haven't found it exactly, exactly what happened because we know that now, and at least we knew, we know this much. There was no alcohol. Right. There was no drugs. Right. He was not doing anything with a cell phone. And he was not running the stop sign on purpose to save time. No, I... It, it, no, but I, I mean, I would have thought it had to be one of those four. When we first yeah. heard, I would have said there's like a 100% chance it's one of those four, at right. least, or if not a combination. And all we've really gotten is this vague thing that the tarp behind him was flapping and he was really annoyed by it. And he was, I don't know if he was trying to like reach out and fix it or what he was trying to do, but it was something with that. And we didn't really get a good solid answer. But because of that, you know, they, uh, they didn't, uh, they didn't see it as anything malicious. The judge certainly accepted they didn't obviously try to cause this accident or anything else. And it's just a really, really tragic happening. But in fairness to the judge, eight years for this is double the normal maximum. So the judge, I think, tried their best to give as much as they could really do. And, uh, you know, judges are always going to be hamstrung by precedent a little bit. Yep. And even if the judge wanted to give 20, it would have been re almost impossible for them to do that with this kind of precedent. So I appreciate how brutal this was. But man, it's just it's just a tragic story. In terms of your idea about paying for their three squares a day, I agree with that. And that's why I like the death penalty over, say, a life sentence for, you know, murder or whatever. But the, the issue here is because he's being extradited afterwards, which is frankly an additional punishment. Correct. Well, even, yeah. even though it's his home country right. of India, oh, yeah. it's still a punishment. He clearly wanted to live here. The issue is, okay, let's say you just let him go. Let, let, let's say you, you know, work out some deal or say, hey, send him to an Indian prison or something like that. You know, we don't really have, once we let go of him, we don't have control anymore. And if India says, you know, okay, well, you know, maybe if they don't appreciate the local anguish and everything and they let him out scot-free or a very short sentence, then I think we're in... Uh, I think there's a lot of anger coming back. Oh, so, for sure. So at least if he's done eight years here, I think it's a small price to pay for this one case. I think it's a small price to pay to make sure that he's going to serve some time and pay for his actions. And then once we let go of him, okay, well, at least he paid his dues and uh, to a degree and uh, you know spent eight years in the slammer here. Because if you let him go, we lose all control over that. And that would be really, really risky to you know bring back all the anguish again. I'm glad you told me about that. Um... But I, I put myself in the position of being a father. And no, I don't, I'm not a father of boys. I'm a father of two girls. I can't imagine the pain, the anguish, the suffering that these 16 parents have gone through. And I put myself in that position because I can tell you one thing, folks. <laughs> My inner just psycho ward would have come out if somebody carrying my last name had been on that bus and got eight years. And again, I'm very appreciative that Chris cleared me up on the law in Saskatchewan. But I can also tell you folks from where I'm from, where there are 12 states in the continental United States that use the death penalty, um, there would have been in some states, and I specifically look at the great state of Texas, 
that would have been looking to utilize that rule with this guy if that had happened in a rural Texas city instead of a rural Saskatchewan city. And I'm, I'm very much on board with Chris in regard to the death penalty. Um, I don't know if this case called for the death penalty, but I can tell you one thing, folks, where I was born and raised, I can honestly tell you I believe in my heart of hearts, minus the, the celebrity-driven criminal courts of the city of Los Angeles, i.e. O.J. Simpson, I believe in my heart of hearts in 49 other states that this carpet-bagging uh, truck driver would have been doing more than eight years for this. And I'm devastated by this. Again, I can't believe. I, I, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of these parents that have gone through the last hellish year of their lives trying to get over this. And um, I would imagine that some of the 16 parents aren't as forgiving as some of the parents that were on television. And I respect those parents that actually got in front of a camera when the verdict came down. I give them unbelievable respect for that. But in my little two cents worth, eight years wasn't enough. And uh, I don't want to drag on about this because um, it, it's been reported. It's been done. The, the sentences have been filed and we move on. But Again, I, uh, I do feel a lot of empathy, sympathy, pain for the parents that uh, saw a loved one murdered, and that's the word I'm going to use, murdered, last April in a bus accident. Let's go on to, um, and I want Chris to get involved, and I thank Chris for allowing me to, to uh, state my case here. Um, if I had two minutes with that judge, I'd probably be in jail too. Um, but I do need to start with some surprising news. We have some breaking news here, and Chris has a little bit more on it, so I will tell you about it if you haven't heard about it already, but Chris will get you caught up on the meat and the potatoes, and it involves, I think this is Chris's favorite guy, and I know it's my favorite guy in the UFC, and I'm talking about uh, Conor McGregor. Surprisingly, I think this happened yesterday. First heard about it this morning, though. I don't live on my phone like a lot of people do. Um, but kind of out of the blue. But then Chris has some more backstory, and we'll, I'll have Chris uh, enlighten you about some other news that has come to the forefront in regard to a a, uh, a little bit of trouble that Mr. McGregor is in in the great country of Northern Ireland. But UFC superstar Conor McGregor surprisingly on Monday announces his retirement via Twitter. And when Chris and I first we're texting back and forth yesterday and today about this. Um, we both kind of wondered if this was just kind of a, a, uh, a way to drive up interest in his next fight because I saw Conor McGregor last week on Jimmy Kimmel and he said that he has been in the works for a fight to come up in June on Jimmy Kimmel. And then all of a sudden, on this was last week, but then all of a sudden on Monday... He has surprisingly announces his resignation or retirement via Twitter. And so I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted to enlighten you on some things he's found out about this, including a little bit of trouble that he got involved with back in Northern Ireland. And I bring in the executive producer, Mr. Fluke. <laughs> well, actually, it's Ireland. And if you say Northern Ireland to Ireland, they'll try to you know get at you. Just put a gun to my <laughs> mouth and pull the trigger. 
<laughs> anyway, yeah. You know, it's still funny. It's the only place in the world, the uh, Ireland-Northern Ireland border is the only place, and well, into Northern Ireland, they, they have actually segregated neighborhoods, like with walls. So it's kind of like uh, East and West Berlin back in the Cold Basically, World Basically, but even like they'll have like walls within a neighborhood essentially like it's, really? it's crazy so because well, Nor- that's where trump should go get his wall yeah then. <laughs> exactly but yeah because northern ireland is part of the rest of the uk with wales and scotland and the england and everything and uh and then ireland itself which is most of that island is is catholic which is and they hate the queen right and then northern ireland is with is protestant is with the rest of the uk and they love the queen where rory McElroy's from yeah. yeah and so i remember because and the reason i make the difference is because i know how important it is to those people and we have had some downloads in ireland and northern well, ireland. i'm sorry i meant no disrespect <laughs> i'm just stupid no it's okay whatever but uh anyway it's uh I just I always remember this because I've talked about how I worked at the uh, Royal Vancouver Yacht Club right. for a bit, and one time there was a guy. I guess he was from Ireland, and he was sitting there. And of course, this is you know fancy yacht club, and we had a massive picture of the Queen, and the guy uh, like got up and like turned around so he was facing away from the picture instead, and he's like, "If I look at that bitch, it'll spoil my supper." And I just remember, I was like, whoa, okay, okay. I, I'll never get the no mixed wine up. with dinner with yeah. you. I'll never get it mixed up. Which one is which Ireland or anything? Yeah. I will. Yeah, because it's it's a big deal to those guys. So anyway, I was wondering about what was going on when Connor announced his retirement earlier today, because every obviously, like I looked at all the Twitter response and everything, and not a single person on earth believed it. Right. At all. But what was weird to me was I thought, well, he just did this two years ago to promote his, I guess, his first fight with Diaz, I think it was. And I was like, I just don't really see Conor McGregor doing the same trick twice. And I, so why would he do this? That seems weird, especially since no one's going to believe this. Because last time, a lot of people got all excited and like, oh, what's going on? And uh, but this time, no one's going to believe it because he's the boy who cried wolf at this point. Right. So then all of a sudden, news breaks via The New York Times that he is being investigated for uh, potential sexual assault that allegedly happened uh, December of 2018 in Ireland in a hotel where he's known that he likes to go. This hotel has one penthouse suite, and he likes to rent it out when he goes there, of course. And uh, so this is allegedly happening here. Now, from his spokesperson, Karen Kessler, she says, This story has been circulating for some time, and it is unclear why it is being reported now. The assumption that the Connor retirement announcement today is related to this rumor is absolutely false. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you over top of my <laughs> oceanfront property in Arizona. Anyway, so this is a masterclass in how to get out front of a story by getting other people talking about you anyway. And then it kind of gets lost and diluted in the noise. And that's exactly what Miss Karen Kessler and Conor McGregor and the whole team is up to right now. In fairness, they are correct when they say that it has been around for a while. But it's interesting. Ireland has some interesting laws with this type of stuff. You can't name somebody who's being investigated for rape. Mm-hmm. Also, when they, it's, it's very common practice in most of Europe to investigate somebody and you can arrest them and interview them. But unlike maybe the U.S., it's much less likely that they're actually going to be charged after that. So there's a very good chance he won't even get charged from this. This could be someone looking for a payday. It could be legitimate, like nobody knows. But either way, it's uh, it's it's just another thing that's going to feed into his notorious persona. I don't expect this to be a major thing that's going to cause any real damage. I think it's just going to make him 
you know, make, make the aura grow. And if it was possible to sell even more pay-per-views, perhaps this would do it. But I don't expect it to really be a big problem. I think they'll have the lawyers take care of this. And if money needs to change hands, I'm sure that it can because, uh, you know, it's it's like in the social network when they say, you know, it's a speeding ticket. Basically, you pay these guys off and it's a, a nothing compared to the paydays you can make afterwards. So I, I don't expect it to be an issue at all. And I never expected the uh, retirement to stick at all. Although it's funny because Dana White was the only person who said, yeah, I'm treating it like it's real, which to me makes it sound like he's in on it too and that maybe there is a real strong promotional aspect to it too. So who knows? We're all just guessing. But in the end, Connor's going to make a fuckload of money. If you are just joining us, welcome to episode number 330 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We appreciate you spending some time with us as we broadcast here on Tuesday, the 26th of March. We are officially in spring now, right? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, the, t- the clocks went forward, so yeah, we're in spring. Is now. that is that what they say it is? Like well, when usually you change the clock that makes it spring. Well, usually I think is it, it used to I be. Don't, I, I don't know. know. I don't yeah. know. I have, yeah, you're from a province that doesn't switch. Yeah, the exactly. Clocks. I never had to know this. You never up. had to switch the clocks. Yeah, so, no. I think we're officially in spring. And the reason I bring that up is I know you're real excited, but we're less than 48 hours away from the start of the Major League Baseball season. I know that gets you excited. What? Where does? Where does all the money come from? Like when you see all the stands and they're just, and I know they're big stadiums, but you know, when, when, even when baseball was bigger than it is now, you'd often see regular season baseball games with tons of empty seats, you know, like guys are hitting home runs, like, oh, there's nobody there. How does baseball make so much money? And I, I'm, I'm guessing they don't have as lucrative a deal. Uh, they well, don't have as lucrative. Like nobody NFL. has as as a lucrative television deal as the National Football. But they have League ten times does. as many games. Well, so they that's have more and that's part really. of the problem too, because there is so many games that you know. I that, mean, that's why they're paying them so much. Because, I, but I think that they do very well with team jerseys and like you know you the, have to sell a lot of the jerseys merchandise. For well, I get that, but I'm just trying. I'm trying to figure it out myself because. It's much more expensive to go to a National Football League game than it is a Major League Baseball game just because of the sheer numbers of them. You only have eight home games for a National Football League team, and you've got 81 home games for a Major League Baseball team. So obviously, um, and you're right. But you also remember, and this started with the building of Baltimore's Camden Oriole Park at Camden Yards or whatever the hell it was in 1992, where they started to... uh, make smaller, more intimate ballparks. Mm. Like Camden Yards only only seats maybe 40, 40, somewhere between 40 and 40, 40 and 44,000 people a night. The new Miller Park in Milwaukee, for example, only seats 43,000. Whereas the old county stadium when the Brewers used to play when I was a kid would seat almost 60 because the Packers used to play half their games at old uh, Milwaukee County Stadium. I don't know where baseball gets all their money from. And it's funny you say that as I, uh, if you didn't know, or you've been under a rock, or you've been in Mexico trying to get over the wall, back over the wall, or whatever, wherever you've been, you know that there have been some massive contracts signed recently, finally, in Major League Baseball in regard to what Manny Machado got from the San Diego Padres, what Bryce Harper ended up getting from the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, just one week after those massive contracts were done, the Los Angeles Angels signed, and both Chris and I believe, and I'm much more a baseball fan than Chris, but 
Chris is much smarter than I am, but he also knows that we both believe that Mike Trout is the best player in Major League Baseball. He is that proverbial five to a player. He can do it all. He's on pace to su- to surpass some of the biggest numbers in the history of the game of baseball. And Mike Trout is still only 29, 27 years old. He'll be 39 at the conclusion of his new contract, which he signed late last week, which was a 12-year extension for $430 million to stay playing center field for the Los Angeles slash Anaheim Angels. Um, I don't know where baseball gets their money from. Obviously, the owners probably are spending more out of their um, pocketbooks than maybe National Football League owners are. I don't know. But the numbers being just thrown around, uh, $430 million over 12 years. And then the excuse me, the Indians owner, Paul Dolan, I thought this was classic. This was good. Indians owner Paul Dolan says, and remember, the last couple of years, the Cleveland Indians have been one of the better teams in baseball with a high payroll, but ultimately they had to shed a lot of that payroll after last year because they couldn't afford them anymore. Indians owner Paul Dolan says that his team will give out a $300 million contract after someone hands out a $1 billion deal. Well, I guess we can say that the Indians won't be big players in free agency, but I wish I had an answer to why or where baseball is getting these unbelievable amounts of money. And then you see a guy like Blake Snell, the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner for the Tampa Bay Rays, and they give him a $15,500 bump in salary after winning the Cy Young Award. <laughs> Did you see though that, and that's what yeah. I was calling up. You saw that right. he signed Blake Snell, yeah. and they gave him a, a proper yeah. raise. They gave him a proper raise because of the backlash of people just incredulous that this guy wins the American League Cy Young Award, and the team gives him a fifteen thousand five hundred dollar bump in pay. Um, I don't know. I would really like to know. Um, you know, the Mets agree to a contract extension with Jacob Degrom, five years, one hundred and thirty-seven point five million. Chris Sale and the Boston Red Sox agree to a five-year, $140 million extension. And each of these players can opt out of these contracts after the 2022 season. Well, why would anybody in their right mind, especially if they get injured, why would anybody in their right mind opt out of a contract that's paying $140 million over the next five years? If they got offered a billion-dollar contract. Well, but sure. I, 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 again, there's extenuating circumstances for everything, but I just can't believe how baseball... And you bring up a great point. How baseball is paying for all this crap because their television numbers are down. Their attendance numbers are down. Everything is down in Major League Baseball. Revenues are down. And yet, we have been, Chris and I, have been preaching for some financial responsibility. We call it fiscal responsibility in Major League Baseball. And then they go and spend how much? $430 million, $300 million, That's... 700 million that's over a billion dollars on three players yeah interesting i'd like to know how major league baseball is doing that and that would be a great question to ask commissioner rob manfred because you spend a billion dollars on three players and you just got to ask yourself everything is down how are you doing it guys i don't know I wish I knew. I don't know, but uh, baseball to me is still not serious. 
until number one, they have a proper pitch clock. Number two, they have a hard, rock-solid salary cap. And number three, Pete Rose is in the fucking Hall of Fame. And until those three things happen, baseball's a fucking joke. Oh, I know he's been listening to me because I agree on all three of those points. I can't believe that Pete Rose with 4,256 hits isn't in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I can't believe it. His only crime is he's a lousy gambler. He did nothing. I mean, when he got busted, and Chris probably knows this, but they did find some stuff that he was betting on his own team while he was managing the Cincinnati Reds. On his own team, not I know. against them. I know that. Stupid. So he's a lousy gambler, but punish him since 1989, not including him in the Baseball Hall of Fame, is a joke. You may have seen Pete Rose, and I found this really disturbing. Two or three trips ago home to Vegas, I went into Caesars Palace because they've got some great restaurants there in the Caesars Palace Forum outside of the casino. They've got some great restaurants there. There's a Wolfgang Puck and there's a couple others. But sitting in a corner of this long corridor was baseball's all-time hit leader signing anything that you'd give him to sign for 25 bucks. And that just, it just looked stupid to me. It looked sad to me that one of the most accomplished baseball players in my lifetime for sure, and again, with 4,256 hits, that's an amazing number. The all-time hit leader in Major League Baseball, and he's sitting in a corner of a casino, not technically even in the casino, Signing anything you throw in front of them for 25 bucks. I thought that was disgusting. I went up there, introduced myself. He actually remembered me because I had interviewed him years ago when I was on the radio side. But he goes, what do you want me to sign? I said, Pete, I don't want to sign. I don't want you to sign anything. I just feel sorry that you have to sit here and do this. Baseball's all-time hit leader should not be schlepping for autographs in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. I don't give a damn what anybody says. I I I don't know. I just had to say that. I for a guy that was an all-star at five different positions. People don't realize this. Pete Rose was an all-star in right field, in left field, at third base, at second base, and at first base. He was an all-star in five different positions besides the well over 300 career batting average and the 4,256 hits, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know who you'd rather have all time, to be honest with you, because Charlie Hustle, to me, I just love, on top of all that stuff, I just always love the whole, what is that, the 1968 All-Star game or 70? 70, 71 All-Star when he ran into Ray Fossey yeah, in when Cincinnati. He, when he murdered Ray Fossey yeah, at home And plate. Ray Fossey was never the same. No, and that's what everyone's always said. That's what yeah. never said. I, I love that. I love like just hustling and giving it your all at all times, even an all-star game, even whatever. You know, it always annoys me if you go somewhere, like if you go mini golfing and then some people are just making everything a joke. Like seriously, you can't, you're not complex enough to have fun while taking something seriously or trying your hardest or just, you know, giving it your all. You you have to make everything a joke in order to have fun. Like, that's what I see when I see these people just being jackasses out in public when they're supposed to be playing a game. Or even if you're like, actually real golfing, even for that matter. Hmm. I mean, you can't take the game seriously and talk to your buddies and have fun. Yeah. You can't do all of that, really. You're yeah. that you're that simple. So I just hate that. So I love nothing better than seeing someone at the All-Star game acting like it's Game 7 of the World Series. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love Pete Rose. 
And, uh, and again, it's just another way that baseball's a joke, and they've got a long way to go. No question. We've got to run on this 330th uh, episode of Unscripted. We've got a lot of things to cover this week, and we're just kind of getting warmed up. We thank you for joining us on this 330th episode and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Luke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.